morning and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and I'm very lucky today to be joined by um, Rashid, who's someone I know uh, better than I should do, but we'll get into that later, who is CEO and co-founder of Driver Technologies. Um, Rashid, how are you? Great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm lucky to be here and uh, nice to reconnect. Yeah, no, very much so. I think we... Um, it was ITI, I think, wasn't it? I think it was ITI in New York, and, yep. and we, we met up the first time. I was introduced by our good friend Doug, who was very recently back on the podcast, uh, one of the few people to return. Um, but um, I, I think it was slightly more Guinness involved last time, so we uh, we, we won't we don't, we won't dive into that too much unless we, <laughs> we don't want to get ourselves into trouble. Um, but she, before I dive in, it'd be really really helpful if you could introduce yourself and and of course the the, the driver business, which is what we're really here to talk about. Of course, yeah. My name is Rashid Galadanchi, CEO and co-founder of Driver Technologies. And our mission is really to democratize the car safety and connectivity uh, that is often seen as a thing of the future, but uh, we're bringing it to the market today, uh, leveraging technologies that people already have access to generally, things like mobile devices, uh, to some extent, hardware uh, capabilities like dash cams, uh, and really a cloud platform that makes it easy to access, share, manage your own data, uh, look at that data from a fleet management perspective, a personal insurance and family perspective, uh, and even a data, data science perspective in terms of understanding uh, risk and how to mitigate risk at a sort of you know insurance level, at a automotive level, even at a municipal level all within the context of a cloud solution that lets you manage privacy and controls and anonymization and things like that. Perfect. Um, there's loads to unpack there. And yeah, I, there's a lot there. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I want to get into that because I, I think on the surface, it, it, it's a business that I think some people go, well, we've seen this type of thing before, but but I think the kind of how, which I want to dive into, is 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 the, the difference maker for me. But I think before we get to the how, um, and we do love an origin story, it's it's, it's almost marvel-esque on the uh, Leadership Insurance podcast, but not quite got the numbers at the, at the box office just yet. But the um, your founding story, I think, is really quite interesting um, as opposed to, and quite different. So, yeah, where does this kind of uh, drive to kind of build this business come from? Because it is a quite a, a unique story. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so... Um... You know, personally, I've always had a, a, a real passion around cars, all the fun things that, you know, your average young man might be excited about, Lamborghinis and Ferraris and so forth. Uh, but sort of in a not average kind of way, I was very interested in car safety, um, both stemming from kind of a general interest in social equality and impact and starting to understand things like most car accidents uh, and car fatalities happen in emerging markets, whereas most vehicles are still in what you might call first world countries, uh, and that even within a relatively high income jurisdiction like New York City, where I live today, there's a very stark uh, uh, dichotomy of uh, access to safe roads, safe lighting, signage, speed limits, and safe vehicle technology, uh, basically that breaks down by the zip code income. And so, you know, from an early age, I was very aware of this. And then on the personal side, uh, both my parents were in different car accidents. And my dad in particular was in one in northern Nigeria, where, where he was from, uh, where he happened to be borrowing a friend's Volvo and he got T-boned and the car that hit him actually had fatalities in it. 
And he always, you know, held the belief that if he had been in basically any other vehicle, he might have died. And that this, you know, Volvo technology had saved his life. And so I was just very aware of sort of this unfair thing that, that occurs in life. And so as sort of a combination of my personal passions and my work, I had been in management consulting and then microfinance, always sort of like the technology interest, uh, and then eventually in private equity and venture capital, focused on big data and AI and sort of the coming democratization of these capabilities. Uh, I started to drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak, of the autonomous car industry, and particularly Elon Musk back in 2016. So I think I can thank him for a lot of this, uh, but not in the way that he would probably want, in that I started listening to him saying, hey, everyone's going to have an autonomous car by the end of 2016, and it's going to be a shared, low-cost asset that goes around and picks people up. And so it's going to be available to everyone, regardless of income. It's going to solve climate change because it's going to be an electric vehicle. And it's going to work in every country in the world by the end of the year, whatever it was. And I totally bought it. And I started telling everyone that this was going to happen. And I started investing in companies that were doing data labeling for that, that industry and, and supporting that industry. And I took the Andrew Ng Coursera class on machine learning that has a, a whole portion on autonomous cars. And it suddenly hit me like a lightning bolt that this was marketing BS and that it wasn't going to happen overnight and it wasn't going to work in, you know, uh, Karachi and Bogota and Lagos, let alone Boston, you know, like, like it wasn't going to work in Boston either. Right. And that it wasn't going to be democratized. It wasn't going to be accessible to everyone. And, you know, Tesla's done amazing things to lower the price of their vehicles and share this life-changing technology. But the bottom line is that regardless of all of the cost changes, the average car in the U.S. is 10 and a half years old and getting older. The average commercial vehicle is even older. And people just don't have the money to go out and buy a brand new car, despite what you see on TV. And the new cars are not driving themselves. And there's a bunch of regulatory reasons why that's not going to happen, et cetera. And so I basically had this thought of, listen, if this is not really happening, millions of people every year are still having, 50 million people a year have a serious injury, right? A serious injury. Over a million people every year lose their lives to a car accident. It's the only top 10 cause of death that is not a disease. All the diseases are being worked on and getting better, but this car thing is getting worse. And it doesn't fit in the focus area of many you know, organizations and institutions that are putting billions of dollars into making the world a better place. It's kind of this weird in-between thing. Is it technology? Is it transportation? Is it you know, legislation? What is it, right? And so I just started to think about, well, can there be something like this? If you're looking on the video, it's a, a image of a phone uh, mounted in a car in my, over my shoulder that using video and AI, which is increasingly coming to the edge, you know, I started looking, even the simplest Android device, you go to take a picture of someone, it uses computer vision in real time on the edge to see that there's a person's face there and focus the camera on the face. So yeah. if that's the case, why can't it also tell me that I'm drowsy or distracted behind the wheel and I'm approaching a pedestrian in a crosswalk and I'm not slowing down at the rate that you would expect? And can you do that on the edge in a way that respects privacy while still extrapolating some learnings from that that perhaps could help us better understand, hey, this is not a well-designed intersection for, for pedestrian or cyclist safety, or here's a scenario where uh, drivers continuously uh, 
you know, get, get drowsy. And last but not least, I recognized, or I started to learn that the average car accident is not caused, preventable car accident is not caused because someone can't put their foot on the brake, but because they're drowsy and distracted. And so I started to think about, well, can the phone be this thing that helps you stay safe and better understanding your driving risk and so forth, uh, rather than something that just distracts you? The figures on accidents by distraction and people going using a phone is is just shooting shooting up all the time, isn't it? And it's it's, it's one of the biggest causes of accidents at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I. I it's really interesting. I, I had a moment, I was driving back from a friend's house the other day and, and I had a moment where, you know, I use, like most people, I use maps and I, I use that as my sat-nav. I don't need sat-nav. I, you know, I always think it's funny when they try. <laughs> you rent cars and they're still trying occasionally to say, do you want sat-nav? It's like, no. <laughs> one, one is this car so bad it doesn't have it. And secondly, I'm holding my sat-nav in my hand. But anyway, I, I had this phone and I suddenly had this urge to kind of look things up on my phone. And I thought, what are you doing? But it's because yeah. behavior is just so attached to my phone now that um, I had to kind of like rewire my brain in that second to, to not interfere with my phone. And, you know, I won't lie. I was, I was on a, I was on a motorway and I was outside lane. I was driving as, as fast as kind of is reasonable on, the, on those conditions as well. So it was very real to me. And it was quite interesting that we're having this conversation because I was thinking, that distraction element was was very present in my driving, and and I'm someone who would consider myself at least a conscientiously uh, safe driver. But um, yeah, so it, it it's it's fascinating, kind of using that thing that is currently against us for us, and and I think that's really important. And and I'm also, I think I think what I find really appealing and interesting about your your sort of mission and 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 solution is that we're we're not trying to kind of reinvent the whole kind of auto infrastructure like 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 the promise you were sold like we are not going in autonomous vehicles tomorrow not not everyone's gonna have an electric vehicle tomorrow and it's like they're too expensive they're too expensive too much has to change too much has to change from a regulatory standpoint insurance hasn't even quite figured out how we're going to deal with that there's there's some great businesses looking at that at the moment um so let's kind of tackle what's actually happening today and and that is trying to give tools and, and democratize road safety as you, as you say um so let's talk about a couple of things before we we dive into it because you've got different routes to market as well and there's this slightly different offering so let's break that down as well so people understand it because obviously we're here from an insurance and insure tech perspective but individuals can buy this uh, fleets can buy this insurers can buy this yeah explain the different routes to market i think that'd be quite helpful yeah, of course. Absolutely. So we're a classic, you know, freemium product. So anyone in the world, we've been downloaded in over 170 countries. We see a lot of right now, actually, a lot of growth in, in, in you know, places outside of the US and the UK as well. Um, and you can just download the app and use it for free on iOS or Android. We're working with a number of partners to actually integrate into Google Automotive Services to be just available within a car itself. You can use the app for video, which gets you all the, the the best perks and the most safety, I would say. But you can also just leave leave the app in your pocket, and it becomes like a Fitbit for driving. Uh, you can get coaching that way. If you are in an accident, you still have, hey, here's a map of where I was, how I was driving. My story checks out, my speed. I braked when I entered the intersection, which can be huge when maybe somebody on the other side is saying they weren't paying attention and they blew right through the intersection and hit me. It's like, no, 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 I was doing everything correct. Um, So you can use that uh, for free. Um, You can sign up for the premium version of the app and you get the advanced 
safety capabilities, you get uh, gas discounts. In the US, we have real-time um, uh, assistance around uh, roadside assistance and also legal assistance. So imagine you've been in an accident, you can press a button and immediately be connected to a lawyer who can help you navigate the situation correctly uh, or get pulled over. Um, and so that's kind of the general consumer user experience. If you have a fleet, I think one of the big things we've identified is that the average fleet in the world is not what I always imagined growing up. I thought trucking is, you know, oh, I've got a thousand trucks and they're all on this big platform and we all work for Pepsi, right? Uh, the reality is that 96% of the of the market is, you know, 20 vehicles or less and 92% of the market is like six vehicles. Uh, and so most commercial trucking is really me, my uncle and my cousin have a plumbing company and we've got trucks, right? And we've grown this company over the last 20, 30 years as a family business or as a small business. And we're not going to put in a bunch of expensive hardware cameras and a tracking system to track each other. And maybe we use some of these trucks on the weekends to take our kids to soccer. And we're definitely not going to put in hardware to track that, right? And what we do all have are phones. And so while we do work with partners who have hardware already and want to leverage our platform for risk management and underwriting and data science and safety and all these things, um, you know, our basic premise is that even on the commercial side, uh, a dedicated or bring your own mobile device is the thing that everyone has. It's kind of what you said about the, uh, you know, sat nav situation. Mm -hmm. You know, there are scenarios where it makes sense to have a TomTom or a Garmin piece of hardware, but for the great, great, great majority of this multi-billion person market, the phone is the, the answer or in the future, an embedded in-car solution. So that's kind of the commercial piece. And then we work with insurers who want to understand, okay, there was an incident. How do I analyze this video? How do I get quick and easy access to it? Uh, a classic example I always give is if someone has a hardware dash cam, typically they get in an accident, they take out an SD card, they put the SD card in the computer, they edit the video. Immediately, there's already a problem here of what do they edit in and out of what they're sending to their insurance company. Then they send this video to the insurance company and it's like, here's a 30 gigabyte file. Like, you know, how are you going to open that? How are you going to share that? Does your firewall let you get into Dropbox or Google Drive? Certainly email isn't going to work. Uh, and so we really erase all of that issue with something that in every other market, there is a cloud solution, right? Where this data is all in the cloud all the time. Look at all the Nest and, uh, you know, like doorbell ring camera stuff that's on the internet. Uh, we're just that for, for driving. And so as an insurance company, it really simplifies your claims. We can even take in video and telematics from other solutions and just kind of have this nice cloud platform for analyzing and looking at and sharing, sharing it to the other insurance company. Uh, and then over time with insurers, we... Uh, go deeper in terms of underwriting, risk, real-time risk management, uh, location-based risk assessments, uh, and then of course, you know, longer-term kind of claims research and development. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's that thing is that richer data leads to product opportunities in insurance. It always has done. Um, you know, I think I think we we're very guilty of bashing the industry and saying that they don't use data well or or, or they don't move with the times. You know what? To a certain extent, that's never been true because actually data has always driven kind of underwriting. It's a data business. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Always have been. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's fascinating. On the on the 
on the sort of journey of interest, what what we've seen just anecdotally is is you know we've seen this with like Fitbits and and health insurers have been driving that um, cybersecurity solutions. We're even seeing it in like uh, management liability um, the trend towards risk mitigation rather than we'll yes. deal with it after the event. And 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 does this this plays into that trend? And have you seen the kind of like an an upward interest from the kind of insurer's perspective? in looking at this from a risk mitigation perspective. Absolutely. So there's kind of a couple tiers of this where the best claim is no claim. <laughs> All right. The best yeah, claim yeah, is the accident, the accident that didn't happen, right? So I love telematics tools. There's a bunch of rich data there that's incredibly helpful. They don't really help you avoid being in an accident, right? And so if you can get something that actively coaches the consumer that I think this is critical even before that, they have to adopt the technology, right? So I think a huge value proposition here is, you know, I think one thing that's interesting about Tesla, we, we do learn a lot from them, is that they have this Tesla score where they say, unlike traditional telematics tools, we're not going to track your location all the time and look at where you are every night and whatever. You're going to generate a safety score and we're going to price your insurance based on the safety score. And that feels a lot better from a privacy perspective. And there's an element element of that in what we do where an insurer can send out to all their personal insureds and say, hey, here's this technology. You can go look it up on the web or the app store. It's a third party. They're going to help you drive safer and avoid accidents. And, and through us, you're getting like a discount for it. But it's different than saying, I'm going to install my insurance company's hardware dongle in my car and they're going to track me. And so you get better adoption, right? Once someone's adopted it, hopefully they will get great coaching if they're just doing telematics or even better, they will avoid accidents because of our forward collision alerts and driver distraction and drowsiness alerts. Over 50% of accidents are caused by a distracted or drowsy driver. So just being focused when something's in front of your vehicle is a, is a game changer. Then uh, once that you know accident does happen, unfortunately, having that telematics or video data for claims is huge, right? Both in terms of uh, showing that your candidate, you know, your insured wasn't at fault, but also avoiding litigation, right? Like even if you're right, you could still go to court and spend a ton of money getting to an we were right outcome. Uh, and even if you're wrong, right? Even if your insured was at fault, it could be the difference between a million dollar settlement or a $50,000 settlement in terms of what caused this, this incident. Mm. And then at a higher kind of data science level, you can start to understand what are the risks in your portfolio? Why are those happening? And then last but not least, uh, I think a lot of technology solutions like this are a immediate cost center for the organization. And as much as uh, insurers are trying to get into innovation and move in the direction of innovation, this is also a trying time for the insurance industry and for businesses as a whole. And so, um, you know, I think one of the things that's most appealing is that we will actually pay an insurer and start as a revenue source for looking into their fleet, looking into their personal portfolio, personal insurance portfolio, pushing out our solution to that, that network, and then getting people to sign up and we'll pay like a referral fee, right? Every month for, for continuing subscription. So you can actually build a book of revenue through partnering with us while at the same time mitigating risk and making your you know fleet safer or personal mm. insurance. Mm. Um yeah, it's, it's always close to my heart this one because my first job was in motor fleet and I used to look after small fleets and um 
I, I think it was the first time I realized quite how many accidents actually happened on a regular basis. Um, yeah, yeah, I was doing like, I looked after some ambulance services and, 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 a, and a massive kind of multi vehicle fleet as well. And um, yeah, built very good relationships with the people that the fleet managers. Who's who's pushing the adoption on the fleet side more? Is it is it fleet managers or is it or I suppose because you're working with smaller fleets, it might be the owner of that of that. What's been their sort of uptake? I'm interested in them just yeah. as a customer segment because this feels like a great solution for them. But we're talking about it from an insurance perspective. Like, has there been any resistance to adopting this sort of technology? Yeah, I think that's our huge opportunity is that the the fleets where uh, they are so big that a boss is just coming in or an insurer is just coming in and saying, you have to do this, right? Like the, the, that's a tiny portion of the market. The mm. great majority of the market is one in which there is a balance of power, right? It's not all one way. It's not just that the drivers have power not just that the fleet manager has power not just that the insurance company has power. There's actually a balance of power here. And again, often because it's a family operated business or a small business, uh, maybe they've got a number of different insurance providers over time and they're willing to shop, right? Uh, or the drivers that are saying, oh, we don't want to be monitored 24 seven by some sort of hardware dash cam. And so that's really where we've come to the market by saying, hey, this is a flexible solution. You can just download it on the phone. You can do anything from, for example, we uh, work with a number of pizza franchises where imagine a scenario where it's a bunch of 19 year olds, they bring their own cars, right? It's not an asset owned by the, the manager. And the last thing they want is to have video on them 24 seven. And so they can actually do something where they either just download the app and have it in their pocket and just do telematics, or they get an iPad or an iPhone from their boss that they get to use while they're driving and they can take it home and do other things with it when they're on their free time. And all the boss is asking is, hey, can you run this while you drive? So if you're in an accident, you can defend yourself. But I'm going to look at the coaching on a fleet level. So I'm going to say, hey, guys, every Friday, we're going to sit down and talk about how everyone's speeding. But we're not going to say, hey, you know, Alex, you're fired because you did this and this. Right? <laughs> and that's the, that's the way to get adoption and get the outcomes that you want. So we, we spend a lot of time with drivers. We spend a lot of time with fleet managers and insurers and understanding what each party wants. And for example, uh, most recently, we've been rolling out with a number of commercial trucking fleets where I think I mentioned this earlier on, we do interior distraction and drowsiness alerts, but without uploading the video to the boss 24-7. So it's helping the driver stay safe, but not necessarily making them feel like Big Brother is watching all the time. And there are very few products that have all that flexibility. And the last thing I'll say is one of the most fun things we've seen from like a market adoption perspective is folks where there's a mandated hardware device in say like a Amazon delivery vehicle, but then the driver is choosing to use our app. And that's because unlike our platform, a lot of platforms don't give the driver the ability to log in and see how they're driving, see videos of places where maybe they could have handled the situation better. It wasn't an accident, but it could have been, you know, let me, let me think about it for next time. And then if there is an accident, you know, oh, I just got a message from my HR team that two weeks ago, I did something that somebody complained about. I'd love to be able to look at that before I go into the meeting to talk about what I did wrong. I don't even remember. I drive 10 hours a day. That's been fun mm. to see. That's that, yeah. That's that's interesting. I mean, you you see online that that, that people that drive regularly, whether it be 
uh, yeah, commercial small fleets or whether we Uber drivers or, I mean, the amount of horror story dash tram footage I've seen, uh, mainly because I spend too much time scrolling through Instagram or, or, or YouTube uh, shorts, but people are embracing this technology generally. I, th- I yes. think people that drive professionally now embrace this technology anyway. So you doing that without the hardware, it just seems like a, a massive and obvious win because sadly the sort of protectionism post any potential claim event um and of course it's is the fraudulent side of claims is is huge in the auto industry as well particularly against uh commercial vehicles because they're exactly they're, right. they're you got a logo on the side of the truck you're a target yeah absolutely um how it works with the kind of anti uh drowsy protection and I, i'm really interested in that because I, I was like how does a, i get how it captures risk and get how it looks at that and get the telematics element how do you stop me being drowsy at the wheel and 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 having a uh attention looking accident that, that, that we described earlier yeah absolutely i mean basically if you've ever used like the fun filters on like snapchat or even on Zoom, right? You can kind of like you raise your eyebrows and the you know the the dog ears wave in the air, or you know what's a what's a mouse face over you. That, that's the kind of technology we're leveraging, and that's what's so fun and exciting. You know, in the whole innovation startup world, they talk about kind of catching the technology wave, right? And we are just very blessed that it's a time of life where these devices are already coming with capabilities around you know, uh, face detection and face analysis, and it can be done on the edge without having to put that data in the cloud somewhere. And so our our IP is understanding how that relates to automotive. Oh, okay, so how many people are in the vehicle? Who is likely the driver? Are the, you know, what's the difference between their eyes closing uh, because they're glancing down at the wheel or the speedometer versus falling asleep? What's the difference between looking out the window because you're about to turn left versus just being completely distracted? Right. And kind of interlacing telematics slash motion data with what's going on with someone's face with what's going on outside of the vehicle. And so I think a classic uh, issue with early forward collision alert systems, including my own 2023 safety focused vehicle, right, is, oh, you're approaching something, but you're in an urban environment where there are going to be lots of pedestrians and bikes and mopeds and vehicles. Or imagine you live in a, a market where you don't have like aggressive lane lines everywhere, right? Vietnam, China, you know, anywhere. Uh, what you should really be assessing is not, is there a bicycle in front of this vehicle, but is there a bicycle in front of the vehicle and the driver's not paying attention? That's that's the thing that's that's scary, and so that's the kind of work we do from a data science perspective. Interesting. Um, yeah. What what's the what's the? We mentioned kind of some of the geographical growth. Um, where's the kind of biggest surge, and is there any kind of surprises you've had in 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 uh, yeah the geographical spread of people that are downloading, particularly your app? Yeah. Uh, from a marketing perspective, we've been very U.S. focused, and that's very much like an early stage company decision of you know five years ago uh, in terms of investors and insurance partners and the, the the journey it takes to get a U.S. insurer to to come on board. Like now, it feels like oh, every month we have a new announcement of a big insurance brand in the U.S. You know, joining our platform, starting to push us out to insureds, using us for for data science. Uh, but that's because those partnerships started two years ago. 
right? Yeah. It takes a long time. Uh, but from a general organic user perspective, it's really global. And I think a couple of the places that jump out uh, that are super interesting to me, the UK is very popular in terms of organic downloads. And when you look at dash cam adoption, generally, it's much higher in the UK than the US. And it's cool to see the US is catching up. So it's almost like we can look at the UK as like a, 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 a premonition of where the US is, is going. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, in uh, Brazil and in India, we've seen a lot of growth, which is exciting. Uh, and what's interesting is that in India, we've seen a lot of growth with the telematics, what we call pocket drives, where you're not necessarily mounting the phone, but you're just leaving it in your pocket and driving around and then using that data to defend your case in, in the case of an incident. Um, and then we're launching partnerships um, in South Africa, Zambia, and Nigeria, uh, which is pretty exciting to see. Again, often with commercial vehicles, where historically in those markets, they've had trouble with the cost of hardware, but also things like theft. So you put a hardware dash cam in this vehicle. I had a great story from our partner in South Africa that they had a number of drivers. This is actually starting to happen in the U.S. too, by the way, where the driver goes to a gas station, gets out of the driving seat, walks around the van, has no visibility into the driver's seat, pumps the gas. You know, it's a commercial truck. It could take 40 gallons or whatever. This could take a while. Comes back around to the front and everything's gone. The door's been broken open. The dash cam's gone. Their phone's gone. Everything's gone. And so... Uh, you know, one of the exciting things about a mobile device is that you tend to take it with you at night when you go pump gas, wherever you go, and then you pop it up there when you drive. Yeah. Yeah. Can't steal an app, can you? Uh, no, exactly. You take the phone away. Um, yeah. I'm intrigued about how insurers are interacting with it because there are this, there's optionality, like, as you just mentioned, you've got the kind of in-pocket, no camera, there's the camera. Um and and how far they think this is going to go because ultimately this this could uh, it's complex because if it's a liability related thing but there's an element where particularly for the kind of third party element if you're covered for all cases then presumably you could use it almost like a par parametric trigger certainly to kind of issue the payment to yourself whether you then have to go into a traditional claims process but from my perspective if i'm involved in an incident and and i'm covered could be as simple as that. Um, are, are people exploring looking that far down the line with it? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think an example of that is that something most people don't really know much about until it happens to them. You can have a deductible on your insurance and you can get in an accident that is clearly not your fault and you still have to pay the deductible and then you get it back when the claim is settled, which could take a long time. And for a lot of people being out of, and it's, and it's a, it's a double whammy, right? Because for the people for whom maybe a thousand dollar deductible wouldn't matter, they don't have a thousand dollar deductible, right? Yeah. They've taken the insurance plan where they have a zero dollar deductible. And then the people on the thousand dollar deductible are exactly the people for whom a thousand dollars is actually really significant, right? Mm -hmm. And so one thing we're rolling out this fall with an insurer, I'll, I'll, I'll wait. So Maddie doesn't kick me here. I'll wait for the press release. Um, but we're basically, and we've actually done this before with one rideshare focused insurer as well, um, where basically if you use the platform and the subrogation team at the insurer can clearly see that it wasn't your fault, you don't have to pay the deductible up front. So it can just immediately save you a thousand dollars. 
That's, I mean, that's huge, isn't it, as well? Because if you scale that up to something like a fleet policy as well, exactly, um, it's it's like business. It's almost business interruption cash. You know, if you yeah, cash is going to kill you, and if you can't, um, it's all very well getting your pay, payment paid out. But yeah, like that, that's a big number to a lot of people. I think statistically in the UK, I think the there's some frightening because because we've got you know there's challenges economically at the moment. There's the standards, you know, the cost of living crisis as we're calling it. You know, some really scary statistics about how many people don't have an emergency five hundred pounds. And then if you've got that as your deductible, that's that money that you you need and you're not going to get. So that's a that's a hugely um, productive use of the technology. Um, the 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 other thing on the kind of insurer side, um, I was wondering if, 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 if people do you white label it? Have people asked for it to be white? Yeah. Great question. That's um that's been really popular in the last couple of months. Point of conversation. So there are there are so many cases where, as I mentioned before, there's incredible value of absolutely emphasizing to your insureds, commercial and personal, but particularly personal, but both, that this is not your insurance company's product. Right. This is not an embedded telematic solution within the blank insurance app. Your insurer is not tracking you. We have a great partner who's who said, you know, we might be able to get commercial insurance to do video, but there's no way someone's getting in the car and do our brand, I'll leave their name out, dash cam app, right? And yeah. to feel that their insurer, and this is true of the automotive industry too, part of why we're getting uh, good traction with like the Google Automotive Services platform is that people don't want Ford, GM, Volvo, having video of them and their families inside and outside the vehicle driving around, right? So there's a lot of value in saying, this is a third-party product. You control your data as enterprise-level security. You can share it with whoever you want only in the cases you want. You can share a score and that score will affect your insurance deal. And like that's, that's like a, a lot of interest from embedded insurance and vehicles kind of stuff. However, we do have a couple of partners whose whole model is to say, we are the insurance of the future. And we are bringing you the best technology solutions, full stack. You know, you get telematics and video from us. You get faster payments to agents when they bring on new uh, clients, new insureds. You know, you get faster claims processing through us and you get roadside assistance. And like we can we can basically just through our product digitize an insurer, an auto insurer, commercial or personal overnight. Right? They can suddenly have roadside assistance with an amazing like Uber-esque experience, a lawyer on call immediately, you know, video, telematics, scoring, coaching, everything they've, you know, claims, our whole platform is like a beautiful claims platform. They can have the whole thing overnight and they can white label it if if they want. Yeah, because I think that's really attractive. And 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 I was, you can see this on your website as well. And if, if anyone's interested, it's, it's really good to go to the website because it's got a sort of live de demo element but what yeah. i found interesting was that you've got the video and then there's like um i don't know what you would call it but there's a sort of a, a scrolling graph of, of every incident element you know and, and as as simple as stop sign and then you know like the, the, the different hazards and stuff and, the, and 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 i found that fascinating because you can always read the story of someone's journey with, without the video and because i i had to put my old claims executive hat on oh, and you've you've basically summarized the whole incident like no, nobody needs to write this is what happened it's like exactly. it's there and and it's there both in video but it's like i, I think this would be obvious to anyone else that technology but it's not like you're needing to ask the claims 
exec to go through the video. You've not got banks of claims execs sitting watching it. The story is there and what happened. And um, I mean, it's a shame because some of the funniest bits were when you were a claims executive was reading people's claims forms. And um, <laughs> the one I've shared before is that someone, uh, someone crashed. It was a total. It was a total loss, and uh, they swerved to avoid this uh, badger, this animal. And uh, and then they were like, "Who's at fault for the accident?" It's like the badger, and uh, <laughs> but the reasons people would come up for the, for them crashing was really funny. Oh, that's a that's a huge thing. I went. I grew up in part part of my childhood in northern Wisconsin, mm-hmm. uh, where there's a lot of animals on the road. And I remember in driver's ed, they were like, "If a deer runs in front of, if a moose runs in front of you, do whatever you can to avoid it because that will yeah. kill you." Yeah. If, yeah, a yeah. Deer, if a deer runs in front of you hit it because if you swerve to avoid the deer and you hit a tree your insurance company is not going to believe you and it will be yeah. all on you and if yeah. you have fur if you have fur in your fender you've got a good story and basically we should just market that we're protecting deer all over the world because <laughs> now you can swerve to avoid the deer and you can show it on your camera you know it's fascinating i mean the, the advice is the same in the uk is that you can um you know you pretty much if an animal's in the road that you, obviously we don't have any particularly big animals actually a big deer is probably the biggest thing you're ever going to hit in the uk unless it's um unless it's a horse but yeah that'd be very unlucky enough to be the countryside but you know the advice is to sort of yeah drive through it i think pretty much because if you swerve to avoid you won't be covered um and you'd be at fault but yeah it's 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 interesting how that kind of that plays out and it and it and and i think as well because that we're we're a talent business we're 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 a search firm we're constantly looking at how do you make people's role more interesting? Yeah. That immediately takes away such an admin burden from the claims totally. industry. It doesn't totally. have to be it's there. And then it's about actually getting into the more complex areas of the claims, which is the litigation aspect, if if there's a more complex third-party claim that exists there. So, um, yeah, it's a brilliant tool from that perspective. Um I'm really conscious. We've we, we, we've we've sort of, we're we're almost at time, and I feel like we've even barely scratched under the surface of it. So if there's anything that I, I've not covered, I apologise. But you know, we always like to sort of finish on like, what's next for you? Um, you know, it's been a brilliant journey, um, but it's been a it's been a tough journey. I know I know you guys have kind of been working working at it for a long time. Then you got you know good funding rounds uh, in June yeah. uh, this year, I believe. Um, yeah. What's next? What's 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 the global expansion plan, Rashid? What's, yeah, what's- no, we're really it's a super exciting time for us because I think for for a long time we've had the vision and we've been building the technology and it's actually much harder than it sounds. And that's actually been a benefit to us because we've had a number of partners, even on the automotive OEM side, come to us and say, guys, we've been trying to build this thing. Right. We had the same idea you did. And it turns out it's really hard to do real-time vision and to take all this heavy amounts of data and get it to the cloud in a world where not everyone has perfect connectivity all the time, right? You're on a cell network, then you get on Wi-Fi. How do you have this video sync and make sure that the, the both the video and the telematics is there, that it's been sampled in a way that is actually helpful, you know, a high uh, frequency sample rate, and then it's been uh, kind of cleansed so that you don't get the noise of what a mobile device kicks off, but you actually get linear acceleration and side-to-side acceleration, you know, acceleration turning, things like that. 
all these kind of capabilities have all been coalescing and building, and we've gotten great advice from our investors and partners on the insurance side and on the automotive side. Our early clients have really helped us create the product. Like there's nothing in the product that isn't actually helpful to our partners. There's no fluff in there, nothing just for fun. Uh, as you said, I think the best thing is for people to just go to the website and play with it because you can just see it and I can describe it all day. But once you see it, then you realize like, oh, this is revolutionary from a, a claims perspective, from a management perspective. Uh, and so what's super exciting is that finally, I think we just get to turn turn to growth now. So we're just 100% focused on who are the partners out there who want to, you know, you don't even need to pay to start. Just push it out to your insurance. We'll pay you. Then you get to see the data. Then you get to see what you want to do with it and how much it's going to change your, your institution or your organization. And that ranges from traditional insurers to insure techs, sharing economy platforms, rental agencies. We're, uh, we just launched uh, a partnership with GetAround. Uh, you might be familiar with this kind of uh, car sharing platform. And they did the same thing, right? Early on, all of their vehicles had hardware installed in it. And they just quickly recognize that as they scale, they just went IPO'd and went public. Um, they need a, a platform that can work when someone brings their own device into a vehicle. And no one wants to get in, the, in someone else's car with their family for the weekend that they rented and see a hardware camera that's sending video to who knows who that owns the car. Uh, but they love their own phone. Right? And so just scaling it all in all directions and globally. So if... if folks out there have interests, they should just check out our website, reach out to us and, and figure out a partnership. Amazing. Um, yes, we can't ask for much more than that on the Leadership and Insurance podcast, the freemium enterprise grade uh, piece of software that helps your drivers stay safe, gives you better kind of underwriting data, better claims data. So yeah, if that's, if and that's pays not you. Good, <laughs> And pays you, and pays you. That's, that's the bit I was leading to and I forgot that. Yeah. Um, Rashid, pleasure. It's really good to reconnect with you. And thank you for taking the time to be a guest on the podcast. Really appreciate hey, your time. Thank you so much for having us. And thanks for doing this. I think it's, you know, the one of the biggest challenges as an early stage company in this very large industry is getting people to hear about you. So really appreciate what you guys do.